0: the true north fantasy podcast a little bit of a bonus episode tonight we are of course brought to you by monkey knife fight uh, i am trav coming from the true north fantasy lair which is a secret location that will not be disclosed so please do not jump in the mentions um, as always with me tonight co-host in west coast in person tyrell mclaughlin how's it going tonight my man feels great to uh, be in person talking some
1: football on a beautiful Friday evening in Victoria, British Columbia. I can't believe that people are joining us tonight. Welcome. Uh, pretty awesome that you guys are staying <laughs> up late if you're on the
0: East Coast, really that's uh, extra congratulations, but mm-hmm. lots to go through uh, tonight for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a bit of a late nighter. It, it's uh Friday night, about 1030 uh, Pacific time, which is where we're at. So. Um, yeah, and hopefully, uh, hopefully folks can catch this on Saturday because the record will go to the YouTube channel, of course, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fun to get in here. We wanted to try out the live setup because we do see each other quite often, so uh, it's a little bit different. We're uh, we're trying to make it happen. We're going to try and make it a little bit better if people like it, so please give us your feedback because we really really want to hear that and hear what you think. If you like the show and you think we're entertaining, we'd love to come back for it. So. Um, just uh, just to kick it off here, to find our content, truenorthffb.com is the place. Uh, this is the True North Fantasy Podcast. Um, we're usually on Wednesday nights. We weren't able to get an in this week, so we decided to get together on Friday night. Ty's got a couple of bevvies. We're going to enjoy ourselves. I got a couple of these bad boys. Let's have a time, Ty. Let's, let's. And, of course, make sure you're
1: going over to fantasypoints.com using our promo code 21TRUENORTH10. That's all caps, making sure you get 10% off of a subscription that you probably should already have uh, because we really swear by FantasyPoints.com as a resource, not to mention it's the best way to support the podcast. So if you want the best information from the best people to be getting your information from, definitely recommend FantasyPoints.com. Definitely recommend uh, getting all your information in you on a Friday and Saturday because so much hits us, especially with uh, a lot to talk about after the Thanksgiving games
0: yesterday. So what is on the Darnell Dawkins tonight? There's a lot tonight. There's a lot tonight, Ty. We uh, we decided we wanted to have like a bit of a casual show, show sheet. So we've got a whole bunch of smattered out there. We're going to see what we get in tonight. We're going to kick it off with a little Thursday night recap there was the Thanksgiving Day games yesterday. So happy belated Thanksgiving to our American friends out there. Uh, three games, um, varying levels of excitement in those games, but some fantasy stuff to unpack, so we're going to do that. After that, we're going to get into just some big storylines going into week 12. It's um, We're getting really close to our playoff runs, and uh, yeah, much like you were shouting out there with, uh, with fantasy points, Ty, I just wanted to add that they have a big discount going on being that it's mid-season. They always discount it midseason season because it is you know, less time, obviously, in the year, but this is a really good time to get it because not only will it never be cheaper, it'll never be more crucial to get this information going into this uh, this playoff run that we're going to be going to. So we hope to prep you for some of that tonight. And then if there's time, we're going to get into the Sunday slate, talk about some of the games and some of the players involved in said games. So it's going to be fun, man. I got uh, I got a coffee to make sure I stay up, tight. <laughs> like I said, you got a beverage, so uh, let's fly, brother. Yeah, well, let's start with
1: the the Turkey Day games. Like, the Bears beat the Lions, and Dalton kind of pulled
0: out, which was kind of hilarious. <laughs> Maggie
1: uh, getting fired rumors were kind of swept mm-hmm. under the rug for the time being. For sure. um, the Bills are back in a big way, beating up on the Saints. And the Raiders pulled out an overtime win against the Cowboys, which I'm sure you liked as an Eagles fan. Yes. And I want to start with the two big injuries from the Turkey day games, DeAndre Swift and Darren Waller, and maybe I'll uh, I'll circle back on some other takeaways just throughout those games. But with DeAndre Swift in particular, he's pretty much been one of the best receiving backs in all of football, uh, at least producing. In the receiving game, what kind of loss is this for
0: Detroit? What does this do to the offense overall that's been... uh, super underwhelming outside of DeAndre Yeah, for sure. I think, like, they're just going to get more underwhelming. I do like what Jamal Williams brings, and I think he is going to be, like, an adequate running back, but I don't think he's going to be giving you that top five upside, that league leader among running backs in targets kind of upside, you know what I mean? I think there's going to be a little bit of Jermar Jefferson sprinkled in. So I think what it does is it just brings, like, a huge dynamic element out of this offense that makes it so it basically has zero. So... Um, I'm not really interested in the pass catchers we've kind of established that with Jared Goff behind center and I do like Jamal Williams but if I have him I'm not going to go out and buy Jamal Williams for the stretch run because we don't really know um, the full prognosis for DeAndre Swift yet and uh, and I just don't think he offers what you're going to have to pay up for him for the person who has him that sees that he's getting this role so uh, that's kind of where I'm sitting I'm not really like buying in but if I have Jamal Williams I'm pretty stoked. Yeah I think like running back two territory. I think totally. uh like I, I think we'll do a lot on
1: the fly by the way. Today, like I'll bring up stuff Ooh. and look at it on the fly and I was just looking that the Lions have scored the fourth most fantasy points at the running back position heading into this week before uh the Turkey Day game. So there's a chance that we can get some RB one performances in the right matchup. Mm-hmm. Um but there's also a big possibility that you can get a dud from uh Jamal Williams as well. Just because we're not sure he's gonna be used in the same capacity in the receiving game as DeAndre Swift was of course but uh the other one I want to talk about is Darren Waller because a similar concept is happening. And by the way, TJ Hawkinson, uh, you're probably still drawing. Now, like he's the only guy in Detroit, I guess we're we're talking about now. I thought maybe Josh Reynolds died the first like. quarter had that nice. Uh, I think it was a double
0: move on that on the and Jared Goff deep ball, and like, that was pretty. Incredible. That's the guy I would go for if I did want to go in on this passing game. And I do have a fair amount of Josh Reynolds, just because like I saw the opportunity in Tennessee, which obviously didn't pan out for him. Mm-hmm. But I think here in Detroit, the Former connection with Jared Goff from the Rams days, they obviously went out and got him because they know that they have a dog shit receiver room. Uh, so I think he's going to work his way into some more opportunity. And I think like it's not going to be sexy, but I think he's the guy who probably offers you the best chance at a big touchdown. You know, I think it's uh, Brad Holmes in Detroit now, the GM who right. had ties with
1: Jared Goff you know, that really hasn't worked out very well. Uh, much you know, it, it was definitely they didn't have to give up a lot of guys too give Jared Goff a shot on the contract, but it uh, hasn't worked out. don't think Josh Reynolds is going to work out from a fantasy perspective, just because those uh, deep ball completions from Jared Goff are going to be few and far between. I think that was uh, kind of fluky in the first quarter we saw that the rest of the game, uh, where the Lions offense just couldn't do anything. But moving on to the Raiders offense, the do you think it's much of the same
0: in in in, in Raiderland, or are you buying Hunter Renfro? Uh, what what are you doing there with Darren Waller going in? I do like Hunter Renfro as like a solid wide receiver three in PPR leagues. Like if it's, uh, you know, even half PPR, I'm a little bit deterred from him just because I I think he's going to get those kind of heavy, heavy reception numbers, but not much upside with it. And you're lucky if he scores that touchdown, he needs those red zone targets, especially inside the 10 in order to get those touchdowns. I was watching the game and like, you know, I love Deshaun Jackson, Eagles fan, obviously. (laughs) Duh. but I was watching the game and like you watch Deshaun Jackson changing direction with the ball in his hands and stuff and when he's moving he's so like jolty and I just found Hunter Renfro love him I, like, I'm not hating on the guy he's a professional athlete but like he's just like his corners were a little more round and stuff you know what I mean so I think that's kind of like a like a metaphor for what they might offer for fantasy gamers, right? Like I you're getting rounded corners. I you're inherently in
1: dislike him because the way he looks in general. Yeah. Like he just looks like he doesn't belong in a football field. He's never yeah. it's the running joke. But I think like a lot of people would argue that it's been volume driven, like his success will be tied to heavy volume. But with Darren Waller going out, uh there's a chance that he could have a very voluminous uh role in this offense, I think at least in the
0: passing mm-hmm. game.
1: And the Raiders might be in a position where they, uh, like, I like their
0: strength schedule coming up.
1: uh, But I was wondering, what do you think this does for Derek Carr, who's been kind of a borderline quarterback one, at least in matchups. uh, What are you doing with him? I think,
0: you know, a bit of a safety net that's not, you know, in the lineup for him right now, for sure. I think, uh, just on the Hunter Renfro note, just to circle back real quick, I think, like, where I don't think he's going to get that, like additional work is the fact that a lot of Darren Waller's work is down the field and so I don't think that naturally is going to translate and I'm not like you know I'm not pounding the table to add Deshaun Jackson to teams but I might like enjoy starting him as a flex for that potential at putting up that pop game versus you know getting that eight point game from Renfro so it's I think maybe Deshaun Jackson being that it looks like they trust him might get a little bit of a boost. Maybe that's just my heartstrings talking, but um, (laughs) I think Derek Carr, like he, you know, settles back into that mid to back end quarterback too, like streaming option in the good matchup. You want to see a little bit of rapport with how these new weapons shape up without Darren Waller, because Darren Waller is that safety net. Um, What I will say though, is that Derek Carr did throw a couple of dime pieces in that game against Dallas. And so like, he's not going to put the team on his back necessarily, but he can definitely deal it if he's on. And so the key is him being on, getting that protection and stuff like that. So uh, that remains to be seen, but I think that's why that puts him up as a guy. Instead of a guy who can give you maybe a top 12 week, like a back-end top 12 week, to a guy who's probably going to be giving you mid-to-back-end quarterback And weeks. I I think there's like a sour taste in people's
1: mouths. Like people are always looking for a reason to dislike Derek yeah. Carr and... Uh... Which isn't supernatural. Uh, I'm also in that camp. <laughs> yeah, and, you, you uh, have been. And him yeah. and Hunter and are quite a pair, but <laughs> yeah, uh, fingers, yeah. like oh, I just think uh, going forward, he, he falls in such a specific tier of quarterbacks that we're usually trying to avoid when it comes to all of them scoring within such a close, you know, points per game total. And uh, it just it might be a guy that has very low ownership in DFS and stuff like that. But you know, the matchups could be there, I think, for. Yeah. For Derek Carr, at least, in, you know, in that quarterback two range, uh, going down that rate. I, I want to talk about the the Cowboys really quick because that was awesome. Well, I, I want to ask before we get to the big one with Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard and everything. I just want to know what you think of Dak Prescott without weapons, so to speak. Like when he is like, even if this is for dynasty owners or whatever, like is Dak still a top five quarterback without
0: an Amari Cooper, without a CeeDee Lamb in the lineup? I think top five is a bit of a stretch like I think it's within his range of outcomes to give you one of those weeks but I wouldn't I haven't been ranking him in my top five he's been in the top eight or so but between five and eight for the most part and I think that's probably where he's going to remain just because he's not he's not running the ball as much as he used to um he doesn't seem like it's uh you know he's a lock for those five touchdowns per season like he used to get when when he first came out on the scene so uh, I just think some of that is not in his game. Obviously, the guy have had a devastating injury. Like, his leg was just ruined. So, um, I think all things considered with him coming back from that injury with the injuries to the weapons, I think he's playing adequately. But I just think that the upside, like you said, the, the top five is not really necessarily going to be a consistent thing for Dap going forward with these guys hurt. Yeah, I just ask, because, like, he
1: had a big game last week, but he also threw the ball 47 times in the game before Kansas City. Uh against Kansas City, like he threw the ball over forty times and uh it was his worst outing of the season against the Chiefs, so it's weird. And then the game before that he had another big game but low pass attempt total. So kind of been hit or miss and uh I think his weapons definitely uh bolster Dak, which should go without saying, but I think uh it is hard to rank him as high as I want to without certain weapons in the offense. I think it's interesting going forward because he might lose a Michael Gallup or and Amari Cooper in the off season. Not like our boy Trav lost some air off the dome today.
0: Fresh cut. Got my Make wig split. Folks. Mm-hmm. got my wig split. I was actually telling Sabrina earlier that I went to pick up the kids at daycare today, and uh, Link, I had my mask on, and Lincoln almost didn't recognize me. Almost didn't recognize me. Yeah. That. Yeah. Um, okay. And I had to like, I had to, <laughs> I had to pull my uh, pull my mask down just to show him because he like, he's like, okay, that's Dad. Walked towards me for a mm-hmm. second and then he's like wait a second <laughs> yeah and then so it took a couple of times but i showed him my face <laughs> and uh, there you go so uh, <laughs> yeah so
1: to the matter at hand man uh ezekiel elliott is finished kapoot, boom done that's kind of the narrative <laughs> that is floating around especially with uh, espn's Ed Werder reporting today that the cowboys are considering giving ezekiel elliott quote time to heal which mm-hmm. could mean as much as putting him on the IR, which means uh, the minimum of missing three games, right? So, what do you think is going to happen, and what are you doing with Tony Pollard so far as is he a running back one in fantasy going forward? Uh, What are your expectations with this backfield? I think if
0: we find that Zeke's going to be out for an extended period, if we see that Zeke is out, then yeah, he's definitely a running back one. They're going to give him all that work. Um, Zeke was already a running back one with Tony Pollard taking some of the work from him, and so I think with Tony Pollard assuming most of that work, I can't remember who's behind him, to be honest. Um, Corey Clement actually, what uh mm-hmm. um but anyway, I don't think uh, you know, I don't think they're just gonna have it where Tony Pollard gets like 40% of the work and they have these other guys that come in. I think they're gonna give it to him. We saw that, right? Um, in the game against the Raiders. And uh as far as like uh, what I hope doesn't happen is I hope You know Zeke's not active but limited you know what I mean like they keep him active but they only use him sporadically so we're not necessarily sure what to do hope that doesn't happen Um, but yeah I think Tony Tony Pollard. you kind of just got to ride him out like I'm that's another guy that I'm probably not buying right this second because coming off that game he's going to be one of the the highest prices that you'll find him at so um, and then if Zeke isn't hurt for an extended period I really think Zeke is going to maintain most of the role I think whatever's going on with Zeke, I think I saw that it was his knee, um, but uh, whatever is going on with it, I think that was probably part of the reason why Tony Pollard got so much work yesterday in the, in the Thanksgiving game. So we even saw Zeke come in and vultures touchdown when he got uh, when he got taken down to the one yard line and mm-hmm. Zeke comes in and vultures it from him. So And that would um, be the defined role that you kind of alluded to. And t- I think t- like, I
1: called this, I just want to say like, I didn't
0: call this, but I'm saying like, you could
1: have gone out and bought Tony Pollard yeah. three weeks ago when there was a little bit of buzz building at that time. Uh, for running back two prices and you could turn into a running back one it was considered buying high but i suggest yeah. you could do it especially if you're a competitive team and lo and behold the playoffs are around the corner and tony pollard could stand to uh, gain a lot of value in the fantasy community uh so far as like maybe top five valuation uh, because i don't think that's outlandish the cowboys scored the fifth most fantasy points from the running back position heading into turkey day and uh like I, I, you know, my affinity for Tony Pollard uh, mm-hmm. throughout the years. I've really, I have a lot of dynasty leagues that have just been waiting for this to happen, and I think <laughs> it could happen. I don't think it's a, uh, like I don't think it's a reactionary take. We've been kind of slowly making this transition while we see the yards before contact fall in Dallas, as well as the yards after contact per attempt from Ezekiel Elliott fall precipitously year by year by year meanwhile tony pollard remains one of the most elusive running backs we've seen since the day he entered the nfl so i think he fits this offense really well i love this kellen Moore offense i think they are pass heavy and tony pollard is a player that you could even use creatively even if ezekiel elliott is back in the fold so i think we should anticipate ezekiel elliott doing what he's doing right now which is setting career lows across the board like
0: Mm -hmm. most
1: straight games without blank amount of yards like Fewest 100 yard games in a season. Like he's going to start banging these off in negative ways uh, as he gets older, and we know the running back position and you know the longevity or lack thereof. So I think Tony Pollard is definitely a guy you can still go out and buy high in a dice league for RB two prices. And I think uh, in redraft you just need to target him in DFS settings,
0: uh, I suppose, because he will cost you a fortune for a guy who uh, who who owns. It. Yeah, totally. I wouldn't be giving up giving him up cheap either right now because of the league winning possibility that could come from them, and I think you know some of it could stem from these injuries at the wide receiver position right because Tony Pollard could be like a starting slot wide receiver for this team if they wanted to employ him in that fashion and so maybe with those guys hurt those are going to be situations where you might see those increases in usage um, you know going forward into late this season and into like next season and whatnot if Tony Pollard and Zeke stay in that backfield. Um, it'll be interesting to see the evolution of that and see uh, see how much he starts to cut into it because he looked way more explosive and dynamic than Zeke has looked all season. Zeke is like he looks like a plotter plus, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a little bit more than a plotter who gets a ton of red zone work and. Tony Pollard just looks like an absolute game record. I think Zeke is gonna end up as like a streaky back almost, like where yeah. when he's running hot, he's
1: running hot, and when he's feeling it, he's feeling it. When he wants to get fed, he's gonna get fed. But mm-hmm. um, you know, the yard—it's all in the numbers when it comes to the Cowboys providing the running backs less in the last couple of years, and Ezekiel Elliott year after year kind of coming down in the terms of yards after contact, enforcement titles, things like that so mm-hmm. yeah definitely uh, the writing might be on the wall for Dynasty owners uh, speaking of which I want to talk about the Bills who uh, Dynasty owners are definitely all over and then redraft with Emmanuel Sanders and these guys Cole Beasley um, the running backs were kind of in disarray with Zach Moss being out I mean Devin Singletary handled the bulk of the work, Matt Breida got in there, both of them ran for under 3 yards per carry they weren't super effective but uh we know this offense is pretty potent, but we also know Zach Moss is going to be back pretty quick. Step on Diggs, another big game. He's been a top five wide receiver over the past six weeks. He's seeing about a quarter of the uh, the market share in one of the most potent offenses in the league, averaging about 12 air yards per target. So we love on Diggs. We know a lot about this offense. We're kind of taking our foot off the gas pedal when it comes to Emmanuel Sanders, even Cole Beasley, I would say. But Dawson Nockstrap comes out, has another big, big game is he like a top five top ten tight end what what are you doing with Dawson
0: Knox in rest of season terms but also in Dynasty yeah I mean I've been trying to keep him down Ty you know this I haven't been like a big fan of Dawson Knox um yeah just uh you know breaking the fourth wall here the True North Fantasy layer does have a small cap population (laughs) um so you might see some friends here but that's cool because we're just kicking it tonight. Uh Dawson Knox, like I think he's I think he would settle into a top 10 tight end for me. Um and I think like he's a product of the offense, but I think the offense is also part of the reason why I wouldn't say he's a top 5 tight end, you know, because I think they do look heavily at their wide receivers like Dawson Knox isn't pulling in at super heavy target share. He's getting touchdowns. <coughs> Excuse me. So that's why I think he's a, kind of more of a top 10 than the top five. But I think, you know, Josh Allen is looking his way in the red zone, and that's all you can ask for from a tight end. What I think is interesting, you mentioned the touchdowns. They both are. Uh, so Stefan Diggs and Dawson Knox
1: are tied, but the team with seven touchdown receptions this season. Um, but if you look on PFF, 12 of the 26 end zone targets for the Bills have actually gone to Stefan Diggs versus just five for Dawson Knox. So there's a. There's an element of his season being a little bit fluky, but this offense uh, is going to, you know, produce big plays and uh, ferment some of these explosive plays that we see. And Dawson Knox is a pretty athletic tight end. I think he's a high upside guy. Uh, And it's now 14 plus PPR points in four of the last six games. Tight end six in points per game on the season right now. Only uh, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Gronk, Darren Waller and George Kittle have been better in points per game. I think since week four, it's just Andrews Kittle and Kelsey who have more points per game than Dawson Knox. So I think uh, there's definitely uh, room to go buy Dawson Knox and uh, people to argue that it's been touchdown driven, blah, blah, blah. But I think there is room for him to, uh, you know, see a little bit more volume once Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders settles a little bit. Uh, So I, I think there's definitely a lot of upside there with Dawson Knox. Um, let's end this Turkey day kind of, uh, blabber that I just keep going on with, with some of these bad offenses, like Chicago and new Orleans are bad offenses. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, like it it really is frustrating, but all I want to know is, do you think they're going to roll with Andy Dalton? Because Matt Nagy needs wins to keep his job. Justin Fields, uh, has a rib injury and, and was sidelined obviously yesterday. Dalton balled out to an extent through over 300 yards, I think, uh, so what do you think they do for Chicago and what does that mean for Mooney?
0: Yeah, well that's uh that's an interesting one because like at fir- first thought is like he needs to get wins with Justin Fields in order to in order to get back in the good graces of the ownership, you know what I mean? But I don't know, I'm not sure that he's not just a sitting duck, no matter what happens, you know what I mean? Like if he wins with Andy Dalton and isn't getting wins with Justin Fields, what does that say about him? And then, you know, if he puts Justin Fields in and Justin Fields crashes and burns, then that's just a further indictment than that, guy, that that guy's got to go. So um, I don't know. I think he could just be a little bit of a sitting duck. And I think it's going to be good for for all parties involved if he gets the fuck out of there. Because I like I think we talked about this on the show a couple of weeks ago. But uh, I like to think that they would kind of try and make a smart offensive hire for this guy. Um, and so... Uh, you know, I, I think better days are ahead for for Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney and maybe Alan Robinson, if he sticks around, if they can get the right guy to kind of man the ship here in Chicago. What what do you what do you think? Like, what do you think about Darnell Mooney in his, his dynasty stock?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I like Darnell Mooney. I just think he's a player whose value might have jumped the shark at this point, like the time to buy him was in the offseason. season. Yeah. Uh, And throughout the season, he's only gotten more and more expensive. We know Alan Robinson's contract is up at the end of this year. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Um, But I don't really see Darnell Mooney as the team's number one wide receiver as much as I'd like to. And as much as I'm not a slave to things like, uh, like, you know, body type and everything. Like, I don't think his size his BMI. Anything like that has anything to do with his ability or inability to be a team's wide receiver one. I just don't think he feels like an alpha wide receiver one for a team as much as that's a dying art in the league anyways. But Darnell Mooney definitely strikes me as a guy who will be a uh, high upside play uh, from week to week. I don't know if he'll have a ton of volatility. I don't know if he's going to be able to see the type of volume that uh, he's seen in some of his spiked weeks. though this year, so. Um, Darnell Mooney's a guy I really like, but might be a player that if I can get like wide receiver two prices for, I'd definitely be selling.
0: Yeah. I would be jumping all over that just because he's, he's a guy who, you know, by next year he could fall, you know, as the wide receiver three on a depth chart in Chicago or outside of Chicago, depending on what they do. So, um, I just think with such a wide range of outcomes, if you can find a sure bet that I definitely would sell for that. I think, uh. I think, like you said, the value, like these guys who are later round picks who come and establish themselves and, you know, become um, fantasy relevant for us, get real hard truther clans. You know what I mean? So uh, the Mooney truthers definitely will not let you have Mooney cheap. And that's kind of prices that I would definitely be passing on as well, Ty. All right, Ty, so um, real quick, I'm gonna get into some of the narratives going into week 12, but real quick before I do, I just want to uh, hear a couple of words from our friends at Monkey Knife Fight. If you want the best DFS player prop games in the industry, jump onto Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight is sweeping the nation right now and we at True North are proud to be doing it along with them. They've got games for all sports and skill levels that are sure to keep you on the edge of your seat with endless opportunity to watch your winnings pile up. With our promo code TNFF, Monkey Knife Fight will match your first deposit up to $50. So sign up now with our promo code and you can get up to $50 of free money to start making some bank. Again, that's monkeyknifefight.com and the promo code is TNFF at your first deposit to start playing today. All right, and we are back. Ty and Trav, just kicking it in the True North Fantasy lair, having a good time on a Friday night, talking a little fantasy football in person, uh, appreciate, we can do that, see that high five, um, yeah, appreciate anybody who is watching, we know it is very late, um, it's late for the West Coaster, so it's double late for the East Coaster, so we appreciate you tuning in and checking us out, um, moving along Ty, we're going to talk about some narratives going into week 12. Um, like I said at the top of the show, man, I got I got some rosters that are getting ready for a playoff push. You were chirping me about one that probably does not deserve to be at the top of this league that you and I are in together, but it's there nonetheless. And so I am uh, yeah. Just
1: just for the listeners, I am below five hundred. I think I'm five and six in that league. You're like nine and two. Yeah. And I've I have more points for
0: in that yep. league. So, yeah. don't
1: do division.
0: Hey, uh, I'd like to say that I'm the defending champ. So, the fantasy gods. Um, yeah, I should have won in the clutch. finals
1: last year in that one. They're coming
0: in clutch for old champsky here, bud. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's push time. And so, we're retooling rosters, and, and there's a lot going on. And one of the biggest things that I think is, uh, you know, kind of a big source of joy for a lot of people in the fantasy football community, a lot of people were giving. Very nice rounds of applause for um, Jason Garrett getting canned in New York. The Giants finally got rid of Jason Garrett. He was the scapegoat. So Joe Judge, um, you know, the jury let him off and uh jason garrett's clapping his way into unemployment um you don't like to harp on a man's unemployment i don't i don't like to do that regardless of how no. much we don't like J- Jason. I i don't garrett, like to make but...
1: political jokes i almost made one there this is dangerous going live
0: yeah <laughs> absolutely it's 10 30 you got a couple of bevies in you. uh life is good but anyway that giants offense man it uh it's been really really bad scoring under 19 points per game under jason garrett and they're not really putting yards up either it really comes down to efficiency you can see um just when you watch the team and and you see Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay like they have some decent pieces I will say Kenny Galladay you know for what it's worth he is a catch and fall down deep route guy um but, you know, he's supposed to be one of those target hogs for them that Daniel Jones can go to in uh, in trustworthy situations. And lo and behold, you know, the Giants are bottom 10 on third down. So it just kind of shows that in clutch situations, the team is not getting it done, and the players who are supposed to get it done in those situations aren't. So um, I think it's going to be interesting for the offense going forward. Um, do you think that better days are ahead for Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, maybe a little Sterling Shepard? Maybe you want to pepper in a little... Darius fucking Slayton. Mm-hmm. I think the most important piece, obviously, is Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. Um his health is the most important piece, which is not a Jason Garrett problem. But we really want to know what to do with him in Dynasty because the we got a lot of, of, yeah, we got a lot of these new running backs coming up to the forefront of the fantasy ranks. Um, and we need to decide whether that pushes Saquon back or whether he stays in that group. So what do you think that means for the offense? Um, do you think it is as simple as a quarterback plunking in there, or is it bigger than that? No,
1: I think it's bigger than that. I think they're tied to Daniel Jones for the time being as well. I think Saquon Barkley will return to Regal status like in the offseason. That's the way the dynasty community works because Mm -hmm. he has so much like certainty built into if he stays healthy, this is what he will deliver. Um, The offensive line can literally only improve (laughs) during the offseason, so that'll be used as an argument for him, Mm -hmm. as will a new offensive coordinator because we certainly spent our time in the offseason be smirching the higher and you know the offense that the idea of jason garrett running this offense um and lo and behold again like nobody has fewer touchdowns in the red zone this season the giants have the worst touchdown conversion rate inside their opponent's red zone which was a huge problem by the way last season and a huge reason daniel jones is an abysmal 2.6 percent touchdown rate going back to last season which is just uh devastating so when i think of what might change with uh jason garrett going out like getting out of here basically uh is maybe they run the ball more like they've they've been throwing the ball about 60 percent of the time even in neutral game scripts this year which is surprising Mm -hmm. um but at the same time like they're already averaging like 36 pass attempts per game so not a huge uh room for for improvement there to be had i think i think an area they should improve in is after the catch though like The weapons being put in a better position to succeed basically is what I expect going forward. And next year is what I'll, I'm sure the argument I'll be making we will have to monitor the hire. but on pro football reference, the giants are bottom 10 in yards after the catch per completed pass. And with their uh, array of weaponry, like Kadarius Tony, like you think of these weapons um, they should just be far better in that department, but yeah, looking forward to next year, we'll have to see who they hire, see how attractive the hire is. And I think we can, confidently say that we were right about the ugly offense like under <laughs> jason garrett and just you know how bad of a start that was for joe judge making that hire i think so pretty much Saquon Barkley is the only guy i would stake my claim on right now because you might be able to get him for back end rb1 prices in the yeah, dynasty league whereas and i think he'll turn into that running back five overall and in, in almost every startup rankings list that you see during this offseason coming up but uh the the wide receivers, I think Kadarius Tony's just way too expensive in almost all formats right mm-hmm. now, and we have to wait for his week 12 status here. Mm-hmm. Uh Kenny Galladay is just you know getting towards don't 30 years it. old, and yeah, I just don't, don't think do I have Kadarius Tony ranked significantly higher in Dynasty than him, and uh I don't think he would be worth buying low on, anyways, in Dynasty. So Darius Slayton, maybe for free, whatever. Uh but, yeah, Sterling Shepard's just always somebody I can't stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's playing for second place, so to speak. Yeah. That's the type of profile of player I see Sterling Shepard as. So not a lot of interest there. Evan Ingram didn't get dealt. He probably walks the end of season. So it's just Saquon Barkley for me and maybe Daniel Jones. You know, I'll just keep buying that super free Daniel Jones. I, uh, yeah. I own too much of Daniel Jones and Best this year.
0: Yeah, there's uh well that's that's where you want him for those spike weeks, right? So um good and that on your percent
1: to go up, right? Like if these totally. touchdowns manifest, then you know we do have a buy scenario on our hands, maybe.
0: Yeah, and then he runs for his life for 50 yards per game or something for you, and you're laughing, right? So I, I like that. I like that. Um yeah, the Giants. It's uh it's an interesting, interesting team. I think you broke it down really well there, Ty. Um I do want to just before we get off Saquon I want to give you a little either or actually I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the list of dynasty running backs here with Saquon Barkley okay Um so in dynasty I'm just going to go a little bit uh Saquon Barkley or Aaron Jones hmm. Yeah I know Um
1: I guess give me Saquon yeah Same
0: same What about uh, Antonio Gibson Saquon Yeah okay uh Nick Chubb
1: Saquon yeah, yeah I'll take Saquon
0: okay DeAndre Swift
1: mm, if it's my startup team I'll take DeAndre Swift like if it's my startup I'll take DeAndre Swift
0: yeah I have Saquon just ahead of DeAndre Swift in my ranking. I think I probably
1: do too like maybe they're a uh, tier they're yeah. a tier and I think I sure. throw like Najee Harris and yep. uh, maybe Dalvin in that tier as
0: well totally yeah I've got uh Dalvin at five Najee at so just ahead of uh, those other two as so well basically so basically we're
1: saying like a christian mccaffrey a jonathan taylor um you know alvin Kamara, Maybe an alvin Kamara Co- we're not those sure. kind of guys but that that's the he's he's starting to uh creep towards the back of that tier i would say but yeah. at the same time he, he definitely remains in this ambiguous conversation of who are the elite elite running backs in dynasty i think
0: totally totally um, okay, Ty, so sticking on the running back theme, I just want to talk about a couple of beasts that we're seeing unfold in what's been a brutal running back landscape. The r- injuries have just been rampant for running backs this season. Um, You know, Dearness Johnson has been like a key piece for fantasy football. See what I meant about the cats, folks? They're just everywhere. Yeah, we got a family of cats in the true north layer, but that's cool because they're chilling. You need to get out of here. That's probably the worst one, but uh, you know, we we the love. the uh, it, It's family. It's family. So we love family, right? Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler tie. Um, I know, like you expressed love for Austin Eckler for a long ass time, um, and it's helped me buy in in certain places as well. Um, Jonathan Taylor obviously burst on the scene as somebody who a lot of people call generational. And it took him a little bit to show that. And I think that was more a product of the offense than Jonathan Taylor, it looks like, because now the offense is 100, well, not 100% if we're looking at the math, but they are running through Jonathan Taylor in in Indianapolis right now. Um, He's just getting, he's getting points everywhere. And it has been great. Obviously, the, the injuries around him at the running back position, um it would be interesting to see if all those guys were healthy like if Christian McCaffrey had a full season it would be interesting to see what those seasons are like together but uh what do you think about those two Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler why don't you start with first who you want for the rest of the season going forward Mm. um and then kind of break down their situations and just say you know what what you what you have liked from them
1: yeah I mean the answer is either I want either of them rest the season they're literally probably my running back one and two rest of (laughs) season like I think that is true um, maybe I'll take Jonathan Taylor just for sheer talent and like the carry volume is so locked in and you know, the Colts are really going to run through him. Whereas Justin Herbert's a much better quarterback than Carson Wentz. Yeah. And, uh, so I guess that would be my answer is Jonathan Taylor reluctantly, but in dynasty, I think the interesting conversation is that, you know, Jonathan Taylor's is a guy we mentioned right at the top there. He might be the one one in most people's running back rankings heading into 2022, uh, at least in a dynasty startup, whereas Austin Eckler uh, is probably closer to a name like Aaron Jones, you mentioned earlier, who just isn't valued in the same way, even though he's produced in a pretty similar fashion, at least in fantasy terms, right? So um, I think I might buy the discount on Austin Eckler, who you can get for like back-end RB1, even in a high-end RB2 prices. Yeah. Um, and th- that's definitely the move I'm looking to make with Austin Eckler and dynasty Um, so rest of the season, I guess I take Jonathan Taylor when it comes to in a vacuum in dynasty, I take Jonathan Taylor, but I take Austin Eckler for the value proposition. And then what I've seen from them is just, uh, a couple offenses that are really willing to give them the ball. Uh, Jonathan Taylor heavily on the ground. I think we've seen what he can do in the passing game as well. Last week, he really just put a shimmy on and that, that, that was beautiful. But, uh, Jonathan Taylor remains to like, he continues to do what he does in particular against weaker opponents. So I Mm -hmm. think that's something to monitor as we go forward. But, uh, Austin Eckler definitely has underwhelmed a little bit with Anthony Lynn going to Detroit, not calling plays for Los Angeles anymore. Uh, we've seen the reception total, you know, fall back a little bit with Austin Eckler while he's inherited, uh, some he's just enjoyed things like the goal line role and, Mm -hmm. uh, things that we didn't expect. So, uh, You know, there's not really a right answer here, but I really love both of them. Love what both of them have been doing in uh, both of their offenses. And I think they could both do the same thing next year when the Colts offensive line improves, possibly their quarterback play improves. So uh, lots to look forward to with both those guys in dynasty, especially.
0: Totally. Yeah. I like that. I would go Jonathan Taylor as well. And I think, Um, you know you were saying that we've seen some positive unexpected usage in the running game for Eckler Um, and maybe some unexpected lack of usage in the passing game we've seen Jonathan Taylor he's got I think he's got over 30 targets right now Mm -hmm. Um, and I was having a look at the running backs and I think he is like top three in uh, in yards after the catch per reception among running backs who have like 10 10 targets Uh, so he's doing well with what he's getting in the receiving game right and so uh looking to the future we don't necessarily know what Naheem Hines' role is going to be in this offense for the long term but i think we can say safely that Jonathan Taylor is going to be the long term answer for this team um and you know i think just that little boost he's one of those guys who doesn't need 90 targets he needs 50 to 60 targets and we can see it right now he's the running back one in PPR on the season um and he's number uh, one
1: in yards after the catch per reception, which you were alluding to. I think it's yeah, number three one targets per game on Rotovitz, which is sort of for yeah. that. Um, but 11.4 yards after the catch per reception. Like every time he catches the ball, he's averaging more than a first down after he catches the ball, which is incredible yeah. because, yeah, it's averaged up the targets in the negative a little bit. But uh, yeah, being number one in yards after the catch per reception is something we almost anticipated with that athleticism and that change of direction that we saw from mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor coming out of Wisconsin. So really really impressive yeah
0: and minutes. just the last little nugget i was looking at some of the inside the five carries jonathan taylor has 22 the next highest running back in the league has 13 carries wow. inside the five jonathan Taylor's converted eight of those into touchdowns he has
1: 22 right now eh? yeah i wonder 22. what the lead was last season for total
0: inside the five i'm not sure yeah. what that is i know he has like he's lapping the field in that category and i think he's well ahead in red zone carries in general so i mean I think Frank Reich knows the strengths of Carson mm-hmm. Wentz, eh? and <laughs> he's mm-hmm. going to feed Jonathan Taylor the ball. So I think uh, that's another boon that I think is sustainable for Jonathan Taylor and just his profile of player. Um, I actually want to hear that stat tie. So keep looking it up as I as I move in here. Well, like what the leader in in uh, inside the five carries? carries was last year.
1: Oh, so I'm on only Buffalo here. Oh yeah looking at that old josh Bills allen is the answer to that yeah. for sure <laughs> josh
0: allen you know what i'm going to take this chance to just say thanks to our friends at trophy smack um we love them over there and uh you know you see them all over twitter and uh, at the fantasy expo you saw matt walsh um he's the guy who we deal with in in working with trophy smack and he uh he rolled up with like 15 belts Um, which must have been pretty heavy because these things are pretty freaking heavy, actually. So uh, thanks to them. And uh, with our promo code TNFF, you can get a uh, free championship ring with the purchase of a belt like this or a championship trophy. So uh, get some sweet hardware for your league. Take it up a notch. Level up your league with trophy smack and using our promo code tnff you'll get a little extra on top with that championship ring which is pretty sweet to flash in the faces of your league mates i do a live draft every year where we put the board up on the wall i'm actually the one who makes it a hand make the board every year we got the sticky notes going it's a blast um and it's going to be really fun next year to roll up with a big fat ring and the belt over my shoulder. So you can do that too with Trophy Smack. And uh, I definitely encourage anyone to go over there and check it out. They've got tons of other good stuff for the losers. They've got um, kind of some fun designs. They've got uh, some big trophies, some small trophies. they got some Lombardi replicas. they got it all over there. So um, thanks to them for their support. And uh, we hope any of our listeners go and support them over at Trophy Smack as well. The next guy I am going to talk about here. Actually, I'm looking at the stat. Ty Ty pulled it up. And because we are in person, I can see what he has on the screen. This is awesome. This is tons of fun. Hope you guys are liking it as well. Jonathan Taylor this season is at 22 carries inside the five. And uh, last year's leader in that category was Ezekiel Elliott with only 26. So, Jonathan Taylor's going to smash that bad boy out of the park. And uh, I think we're going to see him continue to just have a big, big season. So um, yeah, I kind of spilled the beans on the stat. You looked up there, brother, but mm-hmm. uh, I let them know how cool it sounded I, like a I really high see, number. I can see your screen because we're in the same place. Mm-hmm. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> well, it's, it seemed like a
1: really high number just uh, here.
0: Totally. Totally. Unless you're um, Cam Newton, right? Yeah. And boot scooting. Um yeah, he's back. He's gonna hit that number by the end of the season. <laughs> I'm not I'm not um Cortland Sutton signed an extension with the uh with the Denver Broncos. That was big news as well. It cements him in there. I believe Tim Patrick signed one as well. Mm-hmm. So that uh that is very interesting. And KJ Hallner will be
1: coming off his injury. Absolutely. Next season.
0: So I think it just kind of further cements that this team is just going to continue to be in the quarterback market. I was going yeah, mean? this just continues like, to
1: cement. This team needs a any fucking quarterback.
0: quarterback. Any yeah. quarterback that comes up will be linked to the Denver Broncos. And there's going to be some really tantalizing options in the draft. There's probably maybe going to be a couple of good free agents options. Maybe some guys in the trade market. You know who it's going to be? It's going to be fucking Matt Ryan who comes over because John Elway is going to bring in the guy who's been a retread and not the exciting option because he thinks that's the guy that's going to make the push. Um, So uh, Matt Ryan's just a name because I think the, the Falcons probably retool and maybe they just blow it all up a little bit, but um, somebody like that's probably going to end up coming in, or like a Teddy B coming back, maybe it's a Jalen Hurts
1: after the Eagles take Ooh. a quarterback high. Like, who knows? Like, I think Ooh, we'll I definitely, like
0: but you're right, every
1: quarterback will be linked to the Broncos, yeah. and they desperately need some help. But why wouldn't they just draft fucking and Justin? Fields? Jalen Hurts would be the, all that would just be the worst thing that could happen to Cortland Sutton, to Jerry Judy, to Noah Fan, to Timmy Patrick, to yeah. Alberta uh, Aok, to uh. To KJ Hamler to uh you know Javante Williams. So it's Mm -hmm. a crowded, crowded offense, I think. Um, I think it's interesting because Jerry Judy has certainly curved the fantasy points for Cortland Sutton. Yeah, like the splits are uh pretty pronounced. Like I think he averages over 17 PPR points uh in games that he hasn't played, that Jerry Judy hasn't played in, and Cortland Sutton scoring like, you know, a very low amount of points in games that uh, that Jerry Judy plays and Jerry Judy's at like 17 targets over the last couple games. So very interesting. Cause we talked earlier in the season that they're probably both wide receiver threes in our rankings each week with Jerry Judy kind of being the floor play. Whereas uh, you know, Corlin Sutton offers that ceiling, which we know he can hit, but with that poor quarterback play with all the other weapons with two running backs and an emphasis placed on the run game with an easy strength of schedule with a strong defense Defensive minded head coach, there's just a lot working against mm-hmm. Cortland Sutton. Um, so do you still buy Cortland Sutton in a dynasty league? Are you buying him rest of season as your wide receiver? Three,
0: no, I'm not. I think in, in a dynasty setting, I might actually sell him just on those people who want that resurgence and think that it's going to happen because I don't necessarily think it is going to happen. I think. Jerry Judy taking away those targets, I think Jerry Judy is like a very versatile receiver and he doesn't profile as a downfield threat that Cortland Sutton does. But I think Jerry Judy can do some things in the intermediate to downfield areas, not just the short target guy. So uh, I'm not saying he's going to, take over that role entirely necessarily but i really think that he's going to emerge as the number one target as we've seen as of late Cortland sutton's last three games last week or last game against philly 4.9 ppr points before that against dallas which is nice for wide receivers and he should be able to put up points 3.9 ppr points Before that washington which has given up the most ppr points to the wide receiver position six ppr points for Cortland sutton uh, he maxed out at four targets um, in those three games that was his game high in in that three game span um no more than 40 yards in those three games so it's just like with that many guys what happens when you know the hammond Egler comes back because mm. he's a dynamic deep threat well he's thing, a guy right? like who can running. get stinky open downfield where Cortland sutton might not get as open so teddy bridgewater maybe a quarterback who's maybe a little more trepidatious and isn't going to throw up the yolos might go to hamler Over Sutton, Mm -hmm. and you just
1: it's pretty crazy. Like, we know Jerry Judy's a dot, like his average depth target will be much lower. Cortland Sutton's average depth of the target will be much higher, but this isn't like Cortland Sutton's being eased back in, coming off injury or anything like that. Like Cortland Sutton is running routes on over 90% of the snaps that he like it's it's crazy. Uh, how much he's playing, he's just not getting targeted very much because they don't have a quarterback who's willing to target him. And they're not put in a position because of their strength together, because they're running backs and everything where they need to take a shot to Cortland Sutton. So just everything is kind of working against them. Uh, and they have a lot of guys who are just so much better at offering, uh, yards after the catch, whether that's their tight ends, whether that's, uh, Jerry Judy yeah, the tight um, ends and be- Tim Patrick has kind of built quite the rapport with Teddy Bridgewater.
0: Yeah, they Timmy love P them some Timmy P and, and so does
1: TNFF historically. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Timmy P can do some of the things that Cortland Sutton can do as yeah, well. that's true. Um so the dual contract signing was a bit of a puzzler to me because I think um I think long-term probably Timmy P is going to be cheaper. I don't know the figures on the deals per se, but I think Timmy P was probably cheaper than Cortland Sutton. So, um you would think you would kind of take that and run and maybe see what you might get for Cortland Sutton. I think he probably has another year or two on that rookie deal, though. Who, uh, Courtland sutton, what year is he in he's probably in four or five actually so he's yeah. probably coming up on it but um yeah that was an interesting one and i just think the the upside's not there for probably really any of these guys just like i think you might get spike weeks from hamler spike weeks from sutton you're never going to know when they are jerry judy is going to give you a solid ppr floor not a ton of ceiling but i think you will have that floor there um and i think Noah Fant's going to be great but he's not going to ever have a high target volume in this offense um and aok is just kind of buried so um yeah they're all just kind of fighting for it and they don't have the quarterback that can do that like if this was like 2013 peyton manning he could support them to varying levels but i don't think this is that and i don't know if john elway is going to find that right quick
1: no i agree
0: okay ty where are we at here moving moving along um oh, this one's fun the jets talk a little elijah Moore and michael carter um obviously michael carter is banged up and out for a couple of weeks but um you know we're giving some dynasty takes here so we're still going to talk about him i think the big one is elijah freaking more mm-hmm. um we've been talking a lot of him since like the draft process Um, We know our buddy Scott Barrett has a big old crush on some Elijah Moore, as do many because he is a fantastic player. Um, Mike White's insertion into the offense seemed to actually coincide with Elijah Moore's production, which is funny and not something that you like to see from a dynasty perspective with them having the number two overall pick in Zach Wilson looking to come back from injury, I believe, this week. So what's your take on... Elijah Moore, give me rest of season value with Zach Wilson. I think that's the most pressing thing because we do want to know if we can rely on this Elijah Moore production that we have seen. Um, but what are you saying for Elijah rest of season? And then let's get into some dynasty talk with Zach Wilson at the helm too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would have said last week that he's more of a wide receiver for really frustrating that he's playing behind Jameson Crowder. When James Crowder came back, that was really frustrating. Um, but last week was really positive And you know how much i love elijah moore mm-hmm. and even in like mock draft season i thought he was going to the titans for sure and uh the irony there with them you know needing wide receivers at this point in the season. Yeah. Uh but yeah elijah moore rest of the season i think he's a wide receiver three and he's a guy i want in my lineup i think um maybe not this week in particular but yeah he's been a top five wide receiver since week seven i think only debo cooper cup tyreek hill have scored more points per game in ppr since week seven so yeah. or more total uh PPR points since week seven. So I, I I'm obviously in love with Elijah Moore as a prospect in dynasty. I'm definitely buying high on him, but it it, like to be sobering, it really has just been two big games. And those two big games have come against the dolphins and the Colts who are allowing the third and fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers respectively. So I think there's arguments to be made for uh, detractors of, you know, the value sore that we're experiencing in, in, in redraft, especially um but elijah more somebody you want on your roster right now and uh come end of season he he could be uh somebody you're plugging into your lineup and then in dynasty i'm definitely buying high totally zach wilson i'm not touching right now
0: yeah yeah he's uh no i'm with you i'm with you he's really hard like you don't you don't want to buy him because um you know, his profile coming out of college and just the way he plays, he's that type of guy that you can see just kind of crash and burn and totally fall off. He's also that type of guy that you could see blow up, but he's, uh, I think you're probably in the same boat that the, um, the likeliness of the reward isn't worth the risk yeah. in going out and acquiring a Zach Wilson. I think, um, I think I would be getting a couple of the pieces around him, like Elijah Moore. Um, and maybe I might, even buy a little bit low on Corey Davis, just because early in the season, there was a bit of rapport and I do like the talent in Corey Davis. And I think him and Elijah Moore complement each other pretty nicely. Um, So, uh, you know, he, he would have to be super cheap though. Um, But yeah, we're just kind of hoping that Zach Wilson can hold up these weapons more, more so than Zach Wilson being um, kind of a baller in our, uh, in our lineups. Um, What about Michael Carter, Ty? Like, He's kind of shown that when they're going to give him some work, he can handle it. He's not going to be that 25 carry between the tackle banger necessarily, um, but he has been an adequate rusher and a great pass catcher tie. So um, what are you saying for his standing amongst uh, dynasty running backs? Is he creeping towards top 24 or not quite there yet?
1: Uh, He's right in that range. There's no doubt. Like, uh, do I want Tony Pollard over him? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, for real, like he's in that kind of range for me, like, uh, maybe a contender might be trying to acquire a Michael Carter before this week for a cam acres or something. You know what I mean? So I think these are ranges of a startup draft that you want to be taking these kind of shots on a Michael Carter who offers some of the attributes that we covet as it is like pass catching upside elusiveness and, uh, uh, you know, room for opportunity in in on the horizon because, uh, Ty Johnson and, uh, and Tevin Coleman definitely aren't the biggest threats, but from a dynasty perspective, we talked about how you might have to anticipate that there's a higher level of competition among the running backs uh, heading into 2022. And the offense could look a little bit different when it comes to personnel and weapons and stuff. But yeah, the offense led by like Elijah Moore, Corey, well, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and then uh, Michael Carter, I think is a pretty good little core to start with. Totally. So, you know running back two is hard for me to say with michael carter is he valued as such probably right now even with the injury i don't think this is going to present like an opportunity like a buying window in dynasty it's just not the way that community works when so much steam is built over the first half of the season so um yeah kind of depressing in that sense i think because you had this kind of gold on your hands or whatever and then uh the wind has kind of been taken out of the sails. Yeah. What do you think this does for Ty Johnson for Tevin Coleman? Number one, who are you starting this week out of those two and uh rest of season? Like, like the next two or three weeks is Ty Johnson, a, running back too or is he uh like same question pretty much
0: yeah it's actually like a pretty similar answer like he's probably being valued pretty close because of the opportunity in the next couple of weeks
1: i think he's about a running back too
0: but <laughs> i think he's yeah
1: maybe in there maybe a yeah little you're behind. right like i think kevin
0: coleman's gonna be involved i think yeah ty johnson's gonna be number one on the on the packing order but i think the the piece with michael carter is that he offers an explosion that these guys don't and so his production has been based off of not necessarily getting the full workload, but being able to capitalize on some big plays and stuff. And I don't think these other guys are going to necessarily offer that if they're splitting in whatever percentage they are splitting. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and we've seen that in the Jets backfield of the past. Like we've seen decent pieces come in. Like you know, I don't want to say decent pieces, but like Le'Veon Bell came in. I think he was the running back seventeen that year, right? And obviously, <laughs> like, but I think like running back seventeen is the most you could hope for out of a Jets running back right now. You know, yeah. Um, and I don't know if those two guys offer that like Michael Carter does. So. No, and
1: I won't get any Jets running back like that high in my rankings this week in particular. Like I'll have, mm-hmm. uh, I'll have Ty Johnson ahead of consensus. I bet I, I'm a yeah. big Ty Johnson stand, but uh, you know, I and he's going to get the pass catching work. I'm pretty confident about that, or at least the the yeah higher share of it. Like he yeah. might fall into the Michael Carter role, whereas Tevin Coleman kind of plays the ty johnson role yeah. with maybe a little bit of goal line upside that could whatever that's worth in a jets offense so yeah um the ugliest like tevin coleman would be the world's worst running back three i would consider <laughs> you know he's like a flex play at best in my, in my eyes like an rb4 but yeah. uh yeah i think ty johnson could flirt with rb2 status
0: yep i like it
1: um do you want to talk about some of the injuries now that we're talking about michael Let's carter like it. alvin Kamara uh was out So it was like Tony Jones and Ty Montgomery out there for the Saints. Are you looking to start either guy uh, if Kamara Kamara is out next week?
0: No, no, I don't think so. I think, like, not only does this offense look really bad, and we already saw on Thanksgiving that uh, Tony Jones isn't necessarily going to cut it, like, Mm -hmm. But I do think what the tea leaves are saying is that we might see a little bit more Taysom Hill in this offense pretty soon. Well, that's what I think we do need to see him.
1: I was going to ask about that on Thanksgiving slate, but uh, we kind of talked about it last week and it didn't come to fruition. But it certainly should. Like, I don't understand why Sean Payton is uh, just signed a new deal. It's just such a contrarian. It's
0: amazing. Yeah. And I think so when we see him, we've seen that kind of downplay the running back production in this offense with Alvin Kamara last year. Uh, we know that that severely affects the pass catching for the running backs in this offense. So, you know, I think with it leaning towards that, I'm not going in on these guys. Like if if it's Mark Ingram, I'd be a little bit more interested because I know they trust him and that he is going to produce a little bit. Uh, we saw him catch a couple of passes, but I just kind of would trust them to give him A large majority of the role as opposed to Tony Jones splitting with Ty Montgomery you know so um, long answer to just say no I'm not in not in (laughs) so speaking of
1: not in I'm not really in on your birds backfield like Miles Sanders returns he's going to be ranked as a running back too I would imagine but do you think this remains like a three-man committee is there defined roles or does Miles Sanders get like a significant bulk of the carries
0: well I think Like, I think Jordan Howard definitely has shown that he brings... He's out. He's out, okay. Jordan Howard is out this week. So, it'll be Boston
1: Scott and Kenneth Gainwell.
0: Okay, well, even Boston Scott brings something that the other guys don't bring. Kenneth Gainwell in the passing game has looked good when given the opportunity. And so, I do think it's going to be an ugly three-man split. Just because we haven't seen any different. We haven't seen them lean heavily on Miles Sanders necessarily. Especially in the passing game, which is where we wanted him to get the most work right like we see Kenneth Gainwell rolling up getting eight target games not lately but like we saw him probably get the biggest pass catching week of an Eagles running back this season whereas that's probably the best part of Miles Sanders game we know that previously he's had issues with finding the whole field vision um you know kind of getting through the the line of scrimmage as a runner but we know that he's lit it up as a pass catcher. So, and, and I think he's looked so much better as a runner. It's just, he's been splitting the work so hard. So it's hard to say that he's a running back too, much like the same for um, Ty Johnson with this opportunity and Michael Carter. It's really hard to say that for Miles Sanders. And that's really not something that you would have ever thought we'd be saying at this point. You know what I mean? I thought Jalen Hurts was going to be perfect for Miles Sanders and that they would, you know, complement each other really nicely in the run heavy scheme, which they've been doing more lately. Yeah, so you can be hopeful I would probably start be starting him in a flex probably because you kind of have to on your team
1: No, he's a top 20 running back given the state of the position Mm -hmm. but
0: uh and for listeners like they don't
1: understand how happy it makes me to say this in person I just wish he was on a better football team you know what I mean
0: (laughs) but uh Uh, you took a lot of satisfaction he
1: well and i kind of i honestly mean it though like from a Mm -hmm. fantasy perspective like it's uh it's one thing to buy into this backfield if it was a better football team but it's uh like and i would be screaming for miles sanders as a positive touchdown regression candidate uh because he is that but it's just tough because i'm not sure he gets the goal line role given the defined roles in this offense and i'm not sure Mm -hmm. how often the Eagles are going to find themselves there. And then you add in Jalen Hurts to a, what is possibly a three-man committee. Mm-hmm. And he might be still the best rusher on this team uh, when all is said and done. So, CD Lamb and Amari Cooper was out. We kind of talked about that Cowboys one. Uh, let's not do that then. So, A.J. Brown, what is his status? Do you know?
0: I do not. Yeah, me either right now. I do not. Okay, so I better look him up because I'm
1: pretty sure he is out this week.
0: Yeah, I can have a peek if you like. So
1: what are you doing with him? He is out against the Patriots. Okay. So yeah. what are you doing with, uh, with Ryan Tanhill? Maybe like, is there any chance you can start him even? in No, a, yeah,
0: okay. no, I wouldn't be down to start him just because he doesn't really have anything, right. He doesn't have Derek Henry. who can insulate him a little bit, maybe pepper in a little bit of his rushing. But like the only thing I would be hoping for in starting him right now is that he rest, runs in for a touchdown yeah. because I don't think the passing is going to be fruitful. Um, you know, I don't. I'm not going to bet on him running for a big yardage total. You just kind of hoping that they can get themselves near the goal line, which um, that might be a little bit tough sledding. This New England defense has been playing better. Um, New New England offense has been a little bit hot with old Macadelic Jones in there, so I think it's going to be tough sledding for Tanny Squirrels. So,
1: Donta Foreman probably running back three at best territory. Like, are you starting any – and Julio Jones on the IR. Like, are you starting any Tennessee Titan this week then against the Patriots?
0: No, not unless I absolutely have to. And, like, who are the guys that are even there? There's Nick Jeremy West. Jeremy
1: Nichols are, is out. So Nick you Westbrook, Ikine
0: Ikine at That's wide That's going to be receiver. their top wide receiver. Yeah, and then Icine. they have Marcus Johnson's been getting heavy targets the last couple weeks, I think. So, he could. Yeah um and then there's another guy in there
1: i think i thought but uh,
0: this is like this is telling you what the state of the wide receiver position in tennessee is like we have to look it up to figure out their depth
1: yeah well out. westbrook's gonna be
0: uh yeah he's gonna be the lead but, guy like
1: marcus johnson something happened to him, right like didn't he uh i think he's out oh is the year. he yeah oh shit son <laughs> um but yeah long story short westbrook uh like that that's the only guy i guess you're right you're, you're possibly entertaining possibly um, Jamal Agnew, I want to bring this one up cause he's out for 2021. Do you think, uh, this does anything for LaVisca Chanel we've been screaming since the Travis Etienne pick that they do have a guy who could be weaponized and uses a Swiss army knife in this offense for <laughs> urban Meyer. So do you think that finally manifests for, for, uh, someone like LaVisca Chanel? Mm,
0: I don't, I don't really think it, it does. Like, I think we might see a little bit of an uptick for Dan Arnold, who has seen the favor of Trevor Lawrence. Um, But, you know, we've kind of played this game with LaVisca and, you know, he's had every opportunity to take over uh, a prominent role in the offense and he just hasn't done that. You know, I think I don't know what it is, um, but I just know that it's not good for your fantasy team. So I wouldn't be trying to go in on LaVisca um he's a hard sell right now too so it's kind of it's kind of a tricky one like he's he's young enough that you can keep him on your dynasty roster and kind of see what happens because things change rapidly in dynasty we know that um a year down the road maybe he gets traded to a way better um, position with or way better situation with a way better quarterback or something like that right so um for dynasty you can be okay holding him right now because you're not getting for him um, and that's kind of what I would do. Would you like try and tack him on for a trade, or would you just be kind of sitting on him?
1: Mm, yeah, I don't know what I would be doing with Labiska. We've seen a couple double digit target games from him, we've seen the team try and get him involved. Uh, and I just love the talent, so I, uh, I'd probably be buying Labiska given his market value, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not like expecting the world for him. But I think it's really interesting because Jamal Agnew was getting a lot of the work that we definitely hoped would go to Labiska Schnault, totally. especially post Travis ATN injury. Um, so what about Jarvis Landry? Like he's set to return for the Browns this week. Do you think he's like a wide receiver three or is he a flex play? Like, does he belong in lineups? Would you start him or his former teammate uh, multiple times? Odell Beckham jr.
0: Ooh, that's a greasy. I think one. the
1: Rams get the, uh, they're in Lambo, I believe.
0: Are they, are they, they, are to, they are too. They are too. And then the Browns, then play, the Browns at Baltimore.
1: play at Baltimore. So they both have fairly tough matchups you know
0: game. what baltimore has actually given up a that ton shit. of points, so of points zero, yeah, to the wide receiver yeah. position and that's like it's hard because the way baker's been playing almost cancels that out you know what i mean but yeah. i think jarvis landry is the main show there um and i think he's going to give you kind of that that safer floor than than odell beckham because i think we know with odell the floor could be just zero and that he doesn't have a bunch of that much rapport Uh, we could see Van Jefferson get some snaps, but I think he, we do see him working throughout the season. So maybe in future weeks, I might say Odell over Jarvis because of the Matt Stafford, the offense and and the upside that he brings. But I think for now this week, um, I think I'm, I'm probably still going to go for Jarvis Landry.
1: Yeah. I think uh, like, if you have to, you can start him, but probably like a high end wide receiver four for me. Flex play. Um, Is Logan Thomas set to play this week? I think he is. So what should I do with Logan Thomas?
0: hard he hasn't seen it with uh taylor heineke like he saw it with ryan fitzpatrick and uh and last season obviously um so it's really hard to trust him as that top eight guy i think he's athletic and he can make it happen on his own enough that you can probably start him as a top 12 option um but i don't think we're expecting that upside we saw from his top five season last year um but that's interesting because i like you know i There's been some spots where I've liked to start Taylor Heineke and it just, and it's been, he's been fine for Terry McLaurin, uh, but he just hasn't really loved targeting Logan Thomas, um, which is interesting because we saw RSJ get some targets there um, when he was starting for Logan Thomas. So what are you doing with him?
1: Um, Yeah, I'm definitely leaving on my bench for the time being. Uh, And it's tough because there's not a lot of weapons to seek out in Washington. So I think, there's a chance that he can carve his role back out you know what i mean and uh and and give people what they were anticipating heading into the season but i i just don't think he is the talent that some people might have like led right led us to believe he is uh and post-injury like it's just even more up for debate what his role is in an offense like does he command targets like people suggested he would heading into the season uh I'm not so sure that's the case anymore. And I'm not so sure Washington is any team to be attracted to yeah. outside of Terry McLaurin, uh, that we once thought it might be. So it's, uh, totally, it's just pretty frustrating there. And yeah, I just don't think it, I don't think a lot of people who own Logan Thomas are like having the best fantasy season. He was just one of the wrong picks, uh, you know, process or not, uh, He just ended up being one of the wrong picks at tight end this year. Yeah. Um, Kareem Hunt is a big, interesting guy who should be returning to the Browns lineup this week. Uh, We just talked about Jarvis. Do you think Kareem Hunt is right back into his RB2 ranking? If he's, if he's healthy and good to go.
0: Yeah, I think so. Like I think he, this offense is starved for some element of explosiveness. And uh, aside from Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt is it because Jarvis Landry is not the explosive guy Um, You know, you got your Anthony Schwartz and your Donovan Peoples-Jones back there, but um, they are not focal points of this offense and not players that are going to put up big weeks consistently for you in a low pass volume offense, especially with both of these running backs um, healthy because Kareem Hunt is the second option in the offense behind nick chubb mm-hmm. um and he might be you the know, second could, option
1: in this offense as, behind jarvis landry in the past yeah that's he, could be the first like, option the tight ends are something we always have to distribute like 30 plus percent of I like the, david Joku. You know yeah and harrison bryant and, and yeah. austin hooper is still doing austin hooper things um but cream hunt saw about 14 of the target share when healthy and that was with obj in the mix sort of sparingly um, so I think 15% of the market share is definitely realistic. Like and Kareem uh-huh. Hunt can do a lot with that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Just the way he works after the catch. Um, they haven't even really used him in the slot that much. So that's another way that his role could expand for, um, just additional upside. And if they start using him more in the slot, which they could, they could definitely use cause they have shown that they'll use Jarvis on the outside. And I'd like to see them do that with Nick Chubb in the backfield, um, then I think we could see some real, real target upside unlocked for Kareem Hunt. But um for now it's still running back two territory um with a guy that can be giving you top five running back weeks because they use him in the red zone too. So no, um, I
1: definitely think he's an RB two. He's been a running back two like in four of six Kareem games Hunt. this season, double digit PPR points in five of six appearances mm-hmm. this year for um kareem hunt so do you want to go through some of these sunday games do you want to just mention philip Lindsay to miami yeah that um, or freaking
0: yeah. sayonara to duke johnson getting any work ever again though because yeah. he was in miami and that looked like a good little spot for him but
1: and i think all that it might do is miles gaskin could be freed up a little bit or the roles could be you know changing a little bit and that could actually be beneficial for <laughs> miles gaskin and ppr owners of miles gaskin uh, whereas yeah, he might not enjoy some of the goal line carries that he's, that he's seen in 2021, but I think he could see an uptick in third down usage and, uh, that could go a long way for, for pass catching.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that'd be really, that'd be really nice for him. I would be worried though, if, you know, if Philip Lindsay can come in and show some of that explosiveness that he has shown in the past with the Denver Broncos, not necessarily with the Houston Texans and takes over a big enough piece of that rushing work, um, that could be a little bit worrisome because while Miles Gaskin um, is a great pass-catching option, I don't think they have the hugest target share going to running backs for Miami. Um, so, you know, I think that'd be nice for Gaskin to get, but he does need some of those carries to supplement the fact that he's not pulling in double-digit targets per game. Um, so that's where I'd kind of sit on Phillip Lindsay. But, uh, you know, I kind of like it. They're They're wanting to be a run-heavy team. So I think there's work to be had for both of these guys. Um, and I think Miles Gaskin still is number one on that totem pole.
1: Yeah. See, I think they kind of want to be a pass-heavy team. So
0: I guess yeah, that's eh? where we'd uh,
1: disagree a little bit.
0: Interesting. I guess that would make sense with the moves with Jalen Waddell and stuff like that. But
1: Well, they've been one of the uh, the pass-heavy teams in, in football.
0: So oh, that's right.
1: Pass-rate. And uh, I kind of went into the season, the off-season at least, thinking Miami would use a lot of their weapons to run the ball, like keep defenses back, yeah. running a lot of nickel, or whatever. Um, but it turns out that they kind of seemingly have used their passing game to set up the run game. And, uh, they're just, they're fighting for running backs at this point, I think with Malcolm Brown on the IR and, uh, totally. yeah, we'll see, see what happens there. So do you want to go through some of these? We're already over an hour here. Travis, yeah. Maybe, maybe
0: we call it and maybe, uh, if we dial up the time here, maybe we do a little record and chat about some of those Sunday games and just have another session for the people. Cause this was fun, man. No,
1: this was a
0: riot. <laughs> absolutely dude so um yeah i hope uh, i hope anybody who uh watches uh enjoys hanging out with us on this one because we had a good time it's really cool to just kind of be in person sit and kick it um you know we're coming through a pandemic almost two years now where a lot of us are disconnected from people so um you know now that things are getting a little bit safer out there make sure you go and see people get some of that sanity back because uh I know for me, man, family life, you just kind of get wrapped up in it. And, uh, you know, interacting with other adult humans in a social setting in person, not just over a video screen is uh, is definitely a positive. So it's been a good Friday night for me, man. I appreciate uh, you kicking it. It's It's been, been a blast.
1: The pleasure has been all mine. And uh, you couldn't be more correct. And I'm actually pretty guilty of, uh, yeah, you know, flaking or whatever. And uh, so yeah, as we get older we definitely have to uh make sure we're keeping our connections totally. tight yeah totally and uh covid has definitely taught us that i
0: think 100% yeah so thanks to our sponsors monkey knife fight promo code t n f f get yourself an instant match on your first deposit up to 50 bones trophy smack also t n f f is the promo code and you get a free ring with that uh trophy or belt purchase uh we love the hardware it looks fantastic and then of course (laughs) fantasy points we are part of the fantasy points media group love the team over there ever growing squad over at fantasy points um like to welcome triple play fantasy was just added to the squad very cool um so yeah thanks to them for supporting us that promo code is 21 true north 10 all capitals true north 21 true north 10 for 10% off at fantasypoints.com, and they got a big discount already. So you can stack that 10% on your other discount. You get a double discount, and you get yourself some championship winning information from the team over at Fantasy Points. So um our work can be found at true ffb.com Ty is at tnfftyrell on Twitter. I am at T Seal14. You can find me rocking on there. And yeah, until next week. We'll see you then, and uh, we hope to get back in the uh, True North Fantasy lair soon.